Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks, the podcast that celebrates the people and places that make this area special. In this episode, I had the chance to sit down and talk with Joan Collins. Joan is on the board for the Pea Island Preservation Society, and they take care of the Pea Island Cookhouse, which is on display in Manio. And the cookhouse was part of the Pea Island Life Saving Station, which is important because it was the first all African-American crew in the life-saving service. That distinction makes the Pea Island Life-Saving Station hold historical significance. In this talk, Joan speaks quite a bit about the legacy and the cultural battles that the crew fought during this time. I think you'll like this talk about the Pea Island Life-Saving Station, so sit back and enjoy. I intentionally put surfmen in that educational initiative, freedmen, surfmen, heroes. Right. You know, because it's so telling, not only of obviously the history connected to the enslaved, but it's telling of this overall wonderful history that, you know, we had that we have connected to the United States Life Saving Service. Right. And you know, I always say that. Um, it would be pretty special too, not for this organization to help help lift that aspect of this history. Right. Um, you know that's why our live program uh, is so important to us, and this education initiative is so important to us because it tells this. It tells so many things. Yes. Yeah. You 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 just you, you sparked a thought in my brain, and that is. Richard Etheridge was fighting in the Civil War, obviously, uh, you know, to abolish slavery, you know, and that whole, he's, he, he experienced that up close and personal, the whole abolishment of slavery. It was kind of important, not important, but it was just so critical to have that all African-American crew right well, when it did, right after the Civil War. Well, I don't think people, you know, really appreciate historically kind of what's going on that at was that huge. time. That was oh, huge. absolutely. That is absolutely huge. Now, whether or not that dynamic would have existed in a more pop, heavily populated area, likely not. You know, the Outer Banks is very isolated. Right. Even today, you know, right. in, in times of trouble, you pull together. It's hard. It's yeah. hard living. I mean, think of how, how, how difficult it was uh, back then, right. you know, too. But I do think Etheridge's story also is a telling reminder of uncovered history and, you know, stories that are not told. When we, you know, w as I said, education is important to us. That's why we created this initiative, and we want to reach kids. So you talk to kids, and what do you think their images are of the enslaved? You know, think about it. What do you yeah. think adult images are of the enslaved? Right. And um, you know, no one, you know, no one stops to think, or many, I shouldn't say, but many. I don't say. I don't want to say no one. But many people don't stop to think, you know, what being enslaved was like and, you know, the variety of skills 
right. that you know these people had. You know, and Etheridge is so indicative, and this, the, the you know the the watermen, the, the the men who lived by the ocean, who right. lived by the waterways. Does Richard Etheridge ever describe what his childhood or her, or his slavery was like? No, no not not n- no, not that I have. We seen. don't have any record of that. No, 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 no. Um, but I think his story in and of itself is a telling reminder. Still strongly, yeah. It's a telling reminder. Yes, he was enslaved, enslaved, and taught to read and write. You know, he was right. educated. Right. You know, a lot of people don't realize the significance even of that at yeah. that time, that yeah. half the people in the country, black and white, were illiterate. You know, so just kind of think of uh, the significance of that. Yet, Etheridge wanted to be free. He fought for freedom. Right. You know, he fought. You know, we had. Um, you know, we do this educational program, uh, and lots of times we're sitting down talking to kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we're telling this story, and you know, it's a sensitive story. Yeah. Uh, but you know, then you get kid raises his hand. He was a lucky slave. Mm. He was lucky. He was taught to read and write. No, that's true. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, from a kid's <laughs> perspective. Right. No, but no slave is lucky. Yeah. No, no one enslaved no, is we, lucky. We, we, we should never glamorize. No, we that. should never glamorize that. You know, we should never glamorize. But think of you know. So I think. No, I haven't had any doc. I've never seen a document where Etheridge just describes his life. Right. You know, there's a new book out by David Wright, Folliday. It's called Black Cloud Rising. And David Wright Folliday is best known as David Wright. Uh, because if you um, know the history of this station and, you know, kind of how things come about and they get the gold life-saving medal, finally, there were... Uh, there were two graduate students that were working on a book called Fire on the Beach. One was David Zobie and the other one was David Wright. He now goes by the name of David Wright Folliday, but he did a book called Black Cloud Rising. I think I've seen it. Okay, where he, it's a fictional account. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know, but it's based on historical facts, but he speculates how Etheridge would have felt Okay. You know, and you know, so, but, uh, but that again, how I, I, I believe his fight for, you know, his, his fight for freedom, his, um, his, his um, you know, the, the, he fought for justice. He fought for justice. He fought for, yeah, and if you're the, you know, and fairness yeah. and fair treatment. And, I was just I was doing a little homework this morning, and, reading the Wikipedia page about how he wrote a letter to the general. To, to the right, about he the co-authored a letter. You know, a lot of people too. He, he co-authored a letter, you know, basically uh, um, complaining about the mistreatment of the people that had been left here at yeah, the at the, the Freedmen's Colony. colony. Yeah. You know, but his story is uh, just has so many facets connected with it that people. You know, don't uh, don't appreciate. Right. Um, we're, um, you know, the the National Park Service here is is working on something called the Freedom Trail. You know, at the national, at the Fort Raleigh site, there's a marker 
you know, that depicts the story of the people who came here. You know, I don't know if you've seen that monument. I haven't seen that monument. If you, but if, if you cross the creek, you, and it was actually the Croatan Sound, <laughs> you would yeah. reach a safe haven. Right. You know, where you're sitting, where the cookhouse is, is in, you know, by large, it, it is the African-American black community. You know that that um, is connected to uh, you know this history as well. There's a church right. You pass it if you came down Sir Walter Ra Sir Walter Raleigh Street called Haven Creek Baptist Church. Very you know at Haven Creek uh, named yeah, after yeah. this Haven. Let's let's pause for a second just so the listeners know what we're talking about because we might have gone over your head a little bit. But when the Union took Roanoke Island and held it um, and took it away from the Confederacy, it quickly became a safe haven for slaves, and they came here, you know, any way possible on on canoes, boats, whatever I mean, they th could th get. Th think of how you know they must have felt, you know, for the very first time, right? Getting a taste of freedom, yeah, hope. You know, right. Freedom, you know, that's and the, and the history of the the history of the Freedmen's Colony, you know, is another thing that uh, that uh, people need to gain much more of an appreciation for. Yeah. You know that that, that yes, there was a Freedmen's Colony here, and almost what thirty five hundred people. Wow. Yeah. Enslaved, you know, but and and also I always say the story of the Freedmen's Colony. Think of how they must have felt, you know, being given. Uh, for the very first time, a, a, a home of their own, right. a small portion of land, you know, the, the opportunity right. to read and to write. Think of how they must felt. And you know, I always, you know, I and to be honest, even when I came here, I did not have an appreciation for that facet of this area's history, right. the Freedmen's Colony. And it's a, it was a great thing, but also think, you know, most people don't stop to think about the other side of that story. Right. That in the end, the land that they were given was taken back. Right. In the end, most left, you know, they had to leave. So that story, right. you know, in and of itself, just the existence of the Freedmen's Colony, you know, a true appreciation for um, you know what was going on and why it ended and all of that. I mean, this this story of Etheridge and the, the his connection to freedom has so many, yeah. You know, has so many different parts. Right. To it. Yeah, and and it's kind of the exciting part about it. Let's back up for a second. So, you you were born in Maryland. I was no, I was born in actually New York. Oh, that's right. You're because you're a military person. Yeah, my father. Uh, yeah, my father is Herbert M. Collins, and the the boathouse that sits next to um, this building that we're in now, the cookhouse, uh, is uh, named after him. Um, right. Um, but he 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 uh, grew up on Roanoke Island, and his father, you know, served as a substitute surfman at the station. Right. His Grandfather served as a surfman at the station wow. under uh, Etheridge. You know his wow. um, his great uncle 
is Dorman Pugh on the, who is part of the W. Dorman Pugh, who's part of the, uh, yeah, he's part of the crew that performed the rescue of the E.S. Newman. Um, right. And you know, he would have been, you know, if you, if, you, if you know the story of life-saving, the life-saving service here, you know that, and, and, and you see it not only at this station, but obviously at other stations, you know, the history of the Chickamacomico station, the, right. you know, the Midget family, right. you know, their connection. I'm sure uh, Keeper James, James right. Charlet, has filled you in on all of that. But uh, you have, you know, you have generation after generation you start to see after reoccurring generation, names. <laughs> people who are serving. Yeah. You know, but this story also should make people think of, you know, I always say those same last names, you know, because you, you, you have embedded in obviously the story of, of Richard Etheridge and the story of the all black crew that was under him. You know, this connection to, uh, to, to, to the enslaved, you know, what, right. to, you know. You, it's just a couple. You, you, you generations, have, you have you know. same last names, yeah. you know, and, and those those same last names exist around here today. Right. And it's just, you know, I think um, this story, you know, is a is it is a time for everyone to just kinda stop and think about what does that mean? What does that say about history? Right. What does that say about the way people live now? You know, that's what we want to do, to not to cast judgment, you right. know, but to make people think. Yeah, we're all, it, we're it, all closer than we think sometimes. We are, yeah, we are. We all, and, and, and uh, I always say, you know, with respect to, you know, my father's story, I mean, I always say I didn't know Richard Etheridge because I didn't, but I knew my father well. I knew the type of person, you know, that he was, and I knew what was important to him. And I knew how much the Coast Guard meant to him. And I've come to understand, you know, have an appreciation probably like I would have never had before of right. why this history is so important to him. Yeah, so you have a lot of men like my father, young black men, you know, poor, um, who did not have the opportunity to go to college. But know what Etheridge did, he created that pathway yeah. for them to join the United States Life Saving Service and join huge. the. Yeah. Oh, that was absolutely huge. And you know, I was again, I was reading this morning how he he was not treated fairly, uh, along with the other African Americans in in the military, and he probably. Now, once he was in charge of the life-saving station, he probably had a whole, you know, well, different attitude about treating people fairly. Well, I mean, I think Etheridge's uh, service in the military in the United States, I mean, in the, uh, for the colored troops, I mean, if you, you know, if you kind of read the history of, you know, how the, 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 men who served and colored troops were treated, you know, versus, you know, versus uh, the, 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 the white soldiers. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that difference. Yeah. And, you know, but Etheridge's story, you know, also, and his, his, 
you know, his, his story of, of the service in the war and rising to the rank of a, you know, a, a sergeant, a commissary sergeant by the time mm-hmm. the, the, the war had ended. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was pretty significant. You know, and I do think that um, um, his education played a really big role in that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, think of what he would have experienced. Think of when he returned to this island after rising to the rank of a sergeant. Right. He's educated. You know, he's well thought of. and right. He's he, a trained leader. He's a trained leader. He comes he, he's back. He's a little more worldly now because he's, he's been yeah, around. Yeah, he comes back here uh, and uh, um, he gets a job in the United States Life Saving Service. Lowest in rank. Yeah. You know. And what about that guy Shoemaker who decided that he should be named? I mean, that's well, a pretty gutsy move that guy well, made. Well, I mean, I know? think it, I, I, as we all, I mean, I think the historical record is pretty telling, you know, in terms of the people that recommend him. You know, you know, they say that Etheridge is the best surfman on the coast, black or white. Right. You know, that's that's what the you know. So think of that at that time in the South. Right. That, that, that was a gutsy move by that guy, you yeah, know? Yeah, but I, again, you know, I think that, uh, um, you know, people want, people should want the very best person yeah. that can do the job. Yeah. And, you know, so, yes, Etheridge, Etheridge becomes a black surfman, lowest in rank. You know, in this area, you did have some stations that, had black surfmen and Etheridge was at the at one point he's at the Body Island station, lowest in rank, and he gets promoted from the lowest in rank to the very right. top. Um, yeah. So you uh, <clears throat> digressing for a second. You you just had a talk over at the College of the Albemarle regarding checkerboard crews. Um, tell us a little about what was a checkerboard crew like. What what is a checkerboard crew and what is it like? Okay, and you know to say too, <clears throat> excuse me, you know we we're, we're we're also in the process of rolling out a new logo, and the logo is a life ring. Many people who um, are can share this history, you know, obviously share the history of the life ring, the United States Life Saving Service, right. and uh, our logo is that, but we changed it to a checkerboard logo. Uh, to because it connects to this history, right. you know, I think so well. So we're going to roll it out. But at some stations, you know, I think there were there was a station here and there, even in Virginia, and a couple stations on the Outer Banks that allowed blacks to serve at stations. And those stations, though, were uh, called checkerboard stations. Right. You know, there, yeah, that station is a checkerboard station. So everyone knew what that meant. Right. You know, now, the College of the Albemarle, you asked, uh, we recently uh, gave a program um, there and intentionally used the, you know, what I thought was kind of a catchy phrase, checkerboard crews and colored news. Checkerboard crews and colored news. Uh, the checkerboard crews aspect of it was to um, bring you know this to light that the right. fact that these stations existed and 
there was this term that was given to a station and to make people think, you know, really, why was that even necessary to label that station as being different? Right. And what do you think people's first reaction was at that time? Yeah, probably not good. Probably not good. So, and the colored news aspect of it, you know, I know when I first, when I first came, moved here, um, at one point I was going into the Outer Banks History Center, you know, kind mm-hmm. of looking for where's the black history? Yeah. You know, what, what, what records do you have? And, you know, I think they would be the first to admit, you know, there's not much there. Um, but at one point I was even digging into old newspapers, you know, during because you know, they have some old newspapers, you know, and, <clears throat> um, and you know, during the Jim Crow era in particular, you would see Southern newspapers that had these little sections called colored news. Is that right? Colored news. So what's in there? You know, well, you might have 20 pages of news. Right. You have this little section that's colored news, and it was pretty much nothing very substantive in nature. Right. So-and-so's birthday, so-and-so is coming to town. And so we, the program was at the College of the Albemarle, and we thank Dean Sweeney uh, because the College of the Albemarle, you know, has been a, a great uh, partner for us in trying to raise visi- visibility as we can of this history. And if you ever go there, you know, the second floor lobby of the new college is named after Keeper Richard Etheridge. I, I heard that. It's, yeah, so that's very cool. Yeah, and uh, so and we wanted to unveil also a new painting uh, by a local artist, James Melvin. A lot of people locally know of him. Um, he also, even before the Pea Island story was known, and before the Gold Life Saving Medal was ultimately awarded to them. Uh, he had seen the one and only known black and white photo of Etheridge standing with his crew. And he said, wow, you know, there's black history here. (laughs) And he was able to um, work with, I think, the aquarium and, you know, got grant money and did this wonderful series of paintings that's uh, on display at the aquarium and we have G. Clay Prince uh, in the Cookhouse Museum. Um, but at the getting back to the College of the Albemarle event, um, we, Checkerboard Cruise and Colored News, right. we also wanted to uh, give uh, uh, folks the opportunity to see you know, a new oil painting that James did for us called the Checkerboard Crew. Um, to bring this history to light. In the, if you go to the Outer Banks History Center, you'll find you know, an, a, a photograph, uh, a black and white photograph that you know, has commonly been referred to as a checkerboard crew. And it's so reflective, too, of a history here, like the history that's in my own family, where... You know, we're connected to the uh, history of the Native Americans here, the Hatteras Roanoke oh, tribe. That right? You know, we're, you know, I always say, you know, I don't think it's any, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 we'll put it this way. My last name is Collins. 
my grandfather was Marshall Collins. You know, not too far from here, there's a historical site called Somerset, the Somerset Plantation. It's owned by Josiah Collins. Oh, really? Okay, and and they own several plantations. Right. And if you kind of kind of, if you if you understand history too, you know, even in terms of people uh, who were enslaved, you know, those included Native Americans uh, as well. I mean, I think you just kind of have this, you know, mix of things that are yeah. happening. I'm a Barry by my grandmother. Grandmother is Barry. Now, if you look at the record of the colonists, you know, is you'll right? see Barry. Is that right? You know, so, and uh, so in... Uh, Just curious, have you done a DNA genetic thing at all? But, you know, the DNA things that, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, particularly, well, you know, I, I've come to understand and appreciate more that the data that that's kind of based on is based on Native American history, not on the coast. You're saying the coast is totally different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, you know, I mean, it's you, would, it's, it's, you know, you have all of the Native American history that's connected to, you know, the Native Americans having to move from their land and yeah. go elsewhere to live. and But uh, getting back just to kind of the history of this area and checkerboard crews, and if you look at the painting, um, you'll see it's hard to distinguish yeah. people. The, 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 I, I, had the, I had to search a little bit. Yeah, these surfmen, yeah. you know, these surfmen, they're, they're working out in the sun. You know, they yeah. have thick beards. They have thick mustaches. Right. They're tan. You know, they have, you know, you know they have curly hair, some of them. Mm -hmm. But they, not only Etheridge, you know, but, uh, you know, they come from, they all, everyone here comes from an environment of, um, that you cannot discount, you should not discount right. Native Americans, the enslaved, and, you know, how those relationships that are formed that, you know, result in, uh, you know, the, the mulatto, free people right. of color. You know that are you know lots of times are 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 uh, designated as uh, yeah, well that you're you're opening a can of worms for oh, a yeah. whole new story yeah. because but it sounds like you know you're you're basically saying this place was a bigger melting pot than maybe a lot of people you know, want my, to admit. My, my father used to he didn't talk about race much as I said I did not know Richard Etheridge but I knew my father well and you know I knew. And I think coming here and doing this now for so long, you know, I tease, I, I jokingly say, seriously say too. I mean, I really, when I retired, I said, I'm going to get married. I hadn't been married. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to Bolivia. My husband's Bolivian and I'm going to write a book. And that book was going to be about my father. Yeah. You know, in his life and his kind of experiences, haven't been able to done that, been able to do that yet, but hope to, you know, kind of also be able to tell his story. But um, he used to always joke and said, "Heinz fifty seven. You know, we're kind of right. a mix of everything. Right. You know, right. his 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 grand his his uh, his uh, great grandfather would be a man named Zion Hall Barry." 
you know, also connected to this history. Wow. You know, but Zion Hall Berry is also is is you know was 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 um, was you know the 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 tall tale was that you know he was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. He wasn't Cherokee, really, but you know he <laughs> undoubtedly is Native American or has Native American mix right. as you know that many did around here. But um, uh, my, my, my family side, you know, there's I, I'm con- you, well people who live on the Outer Banks and in this you know particularly Roanoke Island or around here, um, who or who or who have been here long enough will recognize same names. Yeah, you know, Etheridge, Scarborough, Tillett, Pugh. Daniels. I mean, I'm just, yeah. you know, just, you know, but those names are connected to, you know, this history yeah. that includes enslaved, that includes, you know, the story of, yes, the colonists that came here, right. and includes Native American history. Wow. You know, so, um, uh, but checkerboard crews and this wonderful new logo that I hope. You know, we'll get more people will become aware of a checkerboard logo is reflective of the fact that, you know, this history is an, is is also in a time where people were defined either as being white or being black. Right. And, you know, white, you know, I said this in the talk at the College of the Albemarle, white was recognized as right. Right. You know, black was recognized as apparently needing a designation that there was a checkerboard crew. Right. Um, so just hopefully another way to get people to at least think, right. you know, about what uh, the history here is like. And yes, to make the, the story of Richard Etheridge and the P. Iden Lifesavers, I mean, I, now I say the legacy of Keeper Richard Etheridge, the P. Island Lifesavers, and the black history of this area. To make that, you know, something that people have an interest in um, knowing about. You know, this is as, as, as American as it gets yeah. <laughs> in terms of American history, not let, let it be told. Yeah, let's, let's celebrate that. Yeah. You know? so, so, as a young lady, do you remember First, finding out about you know the P Island Life Saving Station or your well, family's significance with it. Um. Well, the 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 fir- well, m- let me say this. My father talked about he loved the Coast Guard. You know, we used to say there were three things that he loved: the Coast Guard. You know, he learned to fly with, while at Pea Island. That's kind of another interesting story as a young man. And family, and you couldn't kind of tell the difference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he didn't, he, he talked a bit about his experiences at Pea Island and the ocean, and he always, you know, I mean, his, his story obviously is not only his early experiences at Pea Island. He's born in 21 and leaves in 47. And then he has this whole other career with the Coast Guard that has, you know, these other elements connected to his history. Uh, but focusing on the Pea Island story, I didn't, I mean, really understanding the significance of it, 
I didn't appreciate it until I realized that he was getting a lot of attention, you know, because that's around the time where the gold life-saving medal is being talked of, and he was going to, you know, he was going to participate in this ceremony. And, you know, sadly, I can say, you know, I didn't attend the gold uh, life medal ceremony. My sister did. I uh, did. I, I, I don't even know if my brother did. I know my I think it was my did sister. Did you not just understand I, the significance of it? I didn't understand it? the significance. Yeah. I'm smack in terms of a career, right. you know, yeah. trying to climb that ladder or whatever we call it today, uh, and just didn't go. And, you know, came back, her, oh, it was a great, great thing. And I'm like, what? What was that? <laughs> Tell me the story Tell again. Tell me the story again. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, I did, though, after I said, well, gee, this is, you know, that's the first thing that got my attention. And then I'll never forget, I did come to a ceremony here that was at the aquarium mm -hmm. where uh, they brought the whole group together. You know, the Coast Guard was here. Um, my father was living, you know, wow. then, um, and, uh, you know, and I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me till kind of fairly recently, because as I'm kind of digging through, digging through files and realizing, and it probably made sense at the time, um, he actually is given the gold life-saving medal on behalf of Richard Etheridge because he would have been still living. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that, I said, well, gee, you know, I, I, I would have loved to have gotten in his head at that point right. in time to really uh, kind of understand it. But that's when I first, it dawned on me that this is really pretty special. Right. And uh, he also had befriended um, someone who ultimately was a rear admiral in the Coast Guard uh, by the name of Stephen Rashan. You know, I always say that they're kind of, I always say there were three forces that kind of result in this station getting the Gold Life Saving Medal. The book that was, the, the, the graduate students that were writing this book uh, called Fire on the Beach by David Wright and David Zobie mm -hmm. that, you know, is an account of the, their most famous rescue. They were doing research and, you know, in hopes of trying to get this book written. And then you have this person by the name of Stephen Roshan, an officer. He was a captain, I believe, at the time in the Coast Guard. He's kind of searching for a program for Black History Month. And he sees this photograph of Etheridge and his crew. Right. And, you know, I think the black and white photograph is a pretty stunning photograph. Yeah. Uh, and he sees it. And then the uh, third party of the story, actually, is the story of a young uh, a teenager that was visiting the Outer Banks. Right. Uh, Kate Burke. And um, sees a photograph. I mean, uh, visiting the Outer Banks with her class or something to this effect. And they're at the History Center. And everybody, her classmates are kind of, you know, kids come, do a history project. 
you know, I say kids come here, you know, what's the Outer Banks attraction that kids see? Lighthouses. Right. You know, so they think that's really kind of cool stuff, but she sees the photograph of Etheridge and his crew. And her digging, why didn't they get a gold medal? Other stations got gold medals. You know, I always say, you know, the, the, the stations, there were state. The Etheridge and his crew are not the only heroes on the Outer Banks, obviously, right. connected to the United States Life Saving Service. But, you know, they're reflective of the fact that they did not get to wear a medal on their chest. Yeah. You know, they did not live to know of this story. It's sad because things were different because they were unique, you know, in their stature, but things were still the same. But things, things were still the same. And, you know, history also should make us think of that things were the same and have things moved today. Right. Because I honestly think, you know, it's a reflective moment for everyone. Right. Just to kind of realize what history is and what it says. And, you know, and to, now I always tell folks, because we do a lot of talking and about this history and we have a live program with Friedman Surfman Heroes. You know, our objective is to just tell the facts, tell the truth, you know, and just let people form their own judgments about um, what this history, the significance of it and what it teaches. So bouncing around just a little bit, they found Richard Etheridge's grave underneath the old barracks when they started doing construction of the aquarium. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, you know, in, in, uh, in World War II, there's a lot of action here. Right. And, you know, you have the whole story of Torpedo Junction and, right. uh, you know, what was happening uh, here. But, and there's a big Navy presence, you know, but... The site where the aquarium is is actually, you know, the site of Etheridge's grave. It's right in front of the aquarium, right. his wife, his daughter. And, uh, but yeah, that's where his grave, and you know, the, the discovery of Etheridge's grave site there, I think occurs like during that, that time period, that, right. that some engineer or something. Isn't that kind of crazy though, that yeah. we just kind of forgot where it was well, at? It well, yes and no. I mean, yes and no. Right. I mean, I think, you know, what, put it this way. If you study the history of Richard Etheridge and the Pea Island Lifesavers, you know, you, you, you really don't see much that was written about it, you know, before the Gold Lifesaving Medal. Right. You know, people, you know, they're, they're so, I mean, so, I think it's probably known in Coast Guard circles. Right. But outside of that, you know, it's not. Yeah. Uh, Walking and, down the street, they didn't, you know, stop and salute him or anything like that. It was no, just, no. And that's, you know, that's 1940. That's the 1940s. Yeah. Think of the number of enslaved people that existed that are in unmarked graves. Disappears. That graves were buildings, houses are going built on top of. Yeah. And no one, you know, and think of graves that, you know, a time period when you have people who are enslaved and you might see an X, you know, right. they're not even given the dignity of a name, you know, yeah. so 
Yeah, so it probably is even more interesting that it happens to, you know, you 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 know, Etheridge's grave is kind of that you know that's kind of brought to light as well as a recent discovery uh, yeah. of Lewis Westcott's right. grave. Right, right. I saw uh, that. There's a video of that. Uh, I saw it on Facebook, but I'm sure somebody else made that video. But, Some property owners over in Jarvisburg, right? Very uh, nice, Kurtuck County. You're very nice people. Uh, they've been to the cookhouse. I'm having a senior moment, and I can't remember the name. <laughs> no but um, they, um, uh, you know, have this piece of property in Jarvisburg, and you know, pretty much the story is there. And I've been there, and I was at the the Coast Guard um, was there recently. I was there with the historian of the Coast Guard and a and a, and a camera crew there. Um, but uh, they they're on the property. There are actually two areas that are, have wooden fences, and it's you know they're grown brush and trees, yeah. and uh, and and their older adult children are out kind of looking one day and decide to just go in one of these uh, graves and start, you know, brushing the brush right. off and fish. And the, you know, first one they see, Captain. Right. This must be important. L. Lewis West, Captain. Right. You know, so think, you're reflective of the Etheridge story where his grave is, you know, kind of not known, yep. you know. This is, you know, captain, and think of how important those men were to right. be able to even have that day's designation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's and it's another Outer Banks name that we see often, Westcott. Westcott, Westcott, is, uh, other, uh, however you pronounce it, Westcott, Westcott. But yeah, uh, you know, a name, uh, a family name, you know, connected obviously to. You know the history of the enslaved and so that must free people of color that uh, you know free people of color that existed, you know that at that time and you know as I said it's just not the Westcott family it's uh, many families yeah. here that are connected to this history. How thrilling was that to find that? That was really yeah it was very it was a great feeling you know to see it and to see the, the it, to, to just kind of be there standing and, 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 and with that wonderful family that brought it to light, you know, Good because them, I yeah. give them a lot of credit, a credit for doing that. But at the same time, you know, it, it, at least in my head, you know, the wheels are <laughs> spinning faster, spinning faster, spinning faster, because there's this whole history of this area that concerns, you know, people that are enslaved, it concerns Native American history, it concerns people, free people of color, yeah. you know, and this whole area of, you know, census designations and mulattoes. And I mean, I think there's truly a ton of uncovered history here. Right, right. And let's see. So, we're, we're in the Cookhouse Museum right now, and there's a ton of artifacts, uh, a lot of really cool stuff here. Uh, are there any great stories about how you've acquired some of these artifacts, or they just yeah. kind of trickled in? Or? Yeah, well, actually, uh, there are not that many artifacts. There are a lot of images, but, you know, there's one artifact in particular that's probably uh, uh, two, but one, two that are really, you know, cool because... Uh, I'm you know they 
definitely connect to the P Island station. Uh, one is the signboard of the ES Newman. Right. Okay, so the, the, the signboard of the ES Newman was discovered on the day after the morning of the shipwreck. So just like any storm, and if you know the story of the E.S. Newman, Etheridge and his crew saved nine on board uh, during a hurricane, uh, 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 never received any recognition for a hundred years. But anyway, this, the story of the signboard. So like most mornings the day after the storm, the weather's beautiful. You know, the, you know the, so the captain is, I'm sure, walking the beach and saying, my goodness, you know, his ship is totally destroyed. Yeah. But he finds the signboard on the shore. And in appreciation, he gives the signboard as a way of saying thank you, right. you know, to the surfman that first spotted the E.S. Newman. And for a long time, Meekins, Theodore Meekins, a long time the board was kind of nailed on top of a barn yeah. and you know it finally makes its way here uh, to the cookhouse museum so that you know is really special mm -hmm. you know uh, that that's probably the most special story just to have it here right and for people to you know really be able to see you know that part of history uh, right here we also have a Lyle gun you know the Lyle gun I'm one of the originals yeah, one of the original Lyle guns. You know, so those guns, a Lyle gun. If you know the history of the life-saving service, they, you know, they they had no modern technology. Yeah. So we tell you know kids, you know, when we talk to kids, how do you think they saved people back then? What did they use? You know, so the Lyle gun was one of the main methods that they used. They would haul this. 200 pound cannon looking device out of the out of the boathouse uh, or wherever it's stored you know the and they would sh shoot a line to the ship and that line could reach as far as three football fields right you know and we always tell kids too because they well why couldn't they just swim back why couldn't they just if 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 you've ever been swimming in the ocean it's not a, it's not an easy thing and yeah. you know three six hundred yards out it's you know, it, it yeah. with a ship breaking apart yeah in it, the middle in of high the, surf in yeah. high surf during a hurricane yeah and you know this story the rescue the rescue starts at 9 p.m and by one in the morning all are safely uh at the p island station so um yeah. Do you do you still get calls for artifacts, or do people stop by and donate things? I wish they would. <laughs> uh, we really do, you know, because um, um, I think this would be a special pet place to bring it. Right, absolutely. And um, you know, so yeah, there's a plea. If you have any, this is a plea not only for artifacts; it's a plea for stories. You know, if you know particularly. Uh, if you've heard of stories about the station, you know, good or bad, quite frankly, we right. would urge you to get in touch with us because what we're trying to do is just capture the story. You know, we're particularly interested in, you know, hearing from people that uh, um, are local, you know, that have a connection to this history. 
but as far as people bringing stuff in, uh, the last thing that we got was actually, it was from a, 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 a and it was so rewarding to, to get it. Uh, although it doesn't connect, relate directly to the station itself, it connects to this history. But we're, we've started a program with some of the youth in the area, a few youth, uh, four young men in middle school. Uh, but one of them is uh, Jason Berry, so his, his descendants would have served at that station. Wow. And his, grand, his uh, grandfather would have been in the early Coast Guard. You know, like, and, and if you know Coast Guard history, uh, and, and it's reflected in this museum as well, the Barry history. You know, you always hear of the mighty midgets, and they were mighty. They had a lot of midgets who served in yeah. the United States Life Saving Service. But the Barry family, you know, also has a 400 years of combined service in the United States Coast Guard that begins with this young man's great-great-grandfather. Wow. Or no, that, I, yeah, that began, who had, he served under Etheridge, his son, you know, served in the, at Pea Island, his grandson, my father, Herbert Collins, served there, and then he ends up having 14 grandsons join the United wow. States Coast Guard. Coast Guard, as well as, you know, a couple great-grandsons and a great-great-grandson. So it's like 21 members of this one That's family nice. that are in the Coast Guard. That's amazing. Yeah. What do you see, how do you see the museum growing in the future? What's your vision? My vision? Um, well, I, I say, you know, my, 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 my dream, my hope, our hope, not just mine, but the hope of the Pea Island Preservation Society, you know, I, I say, you know, it's pretty simple in terms of this area, which is a known area for history. Yeah, a lot of history. A lot of history here. So make this history just as uh, desirable to see, to learn, to feel, to study, to know, right. as the other history that's reflected here. You know, to make that happen and to, you know, for an organization to put us in a position that um, we can sustain ourselves in the long term and the short term, quite frankly. You know, it's been a challenge. Right. It's a challenge because, you know, people don't come here to even knowing this history exists. It's a challenge because where we're physically located, right. you know, is not downtown Mantia on the waterfront. It's, you know, yeah. down the street. And it's not on the beach. It's not on the <laughs> beach. So, you know, but, but the dream is to, you know, raise visibility to hopefully, you know, get a, a, a larger structure, uh, you know, that we could do something really special to to uh, to to have an an, an 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 outreach educational component, you know, that really teaches this history in a special way. Right. Uh, so to make this really a, a very special place um, and a place people, you know, that's what that's where I want to go. Yeah. You know, that's where I want to head to.
right. and to get to get help. You know, we we need uh, volunteers. We need people to go on our web page, take a look at us, um, and uh, become a member. You know, we're a nonprofit, like many nonprofits. Oh, I, I didn't so know there was a membership. Tell me about the membership. Yeah, there's a membership. You just go on. I mean, I think there are different levels, and you you go. You'll get a, our newsletter. You'll you know kind of be the first that we. Um, it's on our web page. You'll be the first that we reach out to. You know, for events and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we have a web page. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, um, and uh, so we, right now, um, um, we're only open by appointment, you know, because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're really stretched a bit too thin. You know, mm -hmm. we do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, like trying to develop uh, uh, um, programs or to teach kids this history. You know, we're 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 piloting something now uh, called Freedmen, Surfmen, Heroes, and more. So, do you want to talk about anything that's coming up? Maybe the Juneteenth celebration? Sure would. I appreciate it. Um, this will be the third uh, time, uh, third consecutive year, that we have held uh, a concert. Uh, we call Juneteenth. It's called the Sounds of Freedom. And the headliner is uh, Tashambi Selby. Uh, many of you, uh, many of people who live on the Outer Banks know of Tashambi. Um, he uh, was, grew up and was raised right here on Roanoke Island. He's a descendant of this history. Nice. Uh, and uh, um, actually Daryl Collins, uh, who's the president of this organization, uh, had I think he came up with the initial idea, you know, let's uh, let's uh, do something for Juneteenth. Even before Juneteenth, it was right before Juneteenth was declared a national Is holiday. That right? Yeah, but anyway, so the first concert, uh, you know, we went. Both of them went well. We're about to have the third. Uh, we're to Shambi, uh, who grew up here and now uh, sings with the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, um, uh, we'll sing the songs of freedom. Uh, this year we're having it on Saturday, June 17th, so a couple days before the official holiday, holiday but to uh, allow more people the opportunity to attend. So I would say, yes, come to yeah. Juneteenth, put it on your calendar. Uh, we're also going to use that time to roll out a new painting. Uh, that's connected to the Freedmen's Colony and the history of the Freedmen's Colony here by the artist James Melvin. Uh, and um, we're excited to be able to do that. So, um, you know, we're, our goal is to make Juneteenth uh, this celebration, the Songs of Freedom, an annual event. So we're really happy uh, that uh, we're able to continue to do it year, uh, this year. And a shout out to uh, Town Bank and to the uh, Don and Catherine Bryan Cultural Series uh, who are helping us to again sponsor or have this event. Nice, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell everybody that you can find some YouTube clips from prior Juneteenth celebrations with Mr. Selby. I'm sorry, Shelby? Uh, yeah, Tashambi Selby, but just Tashambi, T-S-H-O-M-B-E, Tashambi. Right. Uh, Selby. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, if you just, if you, um, 
Google, YouTube, you, you'll probably yeah. see a clip from the event last year. And by the way, since we're talking about YouTube, if you have any interest in you know, learning more about the history of this station, Richard Etheridge and the history of this station, if you just Google uh, the Cookhouse Museum uh, uh -huh. or Richard Etheridge, uh, you'll see you know, two or three videos that we have done uh, talking about this history. Um, this event also on Juneteenth will be videotaped. So nice, and it's it's an outdoor event. It's a um, free outdoor event. Uh, it's a you have free, a nice grassy area right nice up front. That if you've ever been to this location, you'll know it's uh, it's actually at an area called Collins Park. Uh, that's also right across the street from Cartwright Park. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's an open area with picnic tables and trees and you know I really think the ideal uh, spot to uh, celebrate freedom to celebrate freedom uh, to celebrate and support you know our cause which is to raise visibility of right. the black history of this area uh, so yeah we're hoping to get a, a even bigger crowd this nice. year so that's uh, June 17th do you have hours for that off five o'clock five o'clock yeah there's a uh, there was a announcement and I saw in one of the local papers I got you'll start seeing more but if you um, uh, as the event moves closer but it's free uh, open you know open to the public uh, it's just a you know, knock on wood uh, you know the, the past two years you know five o'clock in the afternoon uh, is a nice time to right. sit under a tree and listen to some uh, great music and you know, to uh, just uh, fellowship with people about yeah, freedom. That's great. Well, what, what a great place you have here in the museum. What a great message you're trying to send. I appreciate uh, you keeping the story alive. It's an important story. It's a great story. Um, let's celebrate those people. And I appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to take the time to thank Joan Collins for sitting down and talking with me. And although I didn't meet them, I'd like to thank the volunteers that make the Pea Island Cookhouse possible. Your sacrifice is greatly appreciated. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to visit treasuresoftheouterbanks.com and sign up for our Friday email. Until next time, make it a good one.